0: Our, our sales tax and risk assessment or nexus studies cover all tax, all tax types, so we'll look at all the rulings. And unfortunately, each tax type has a different ruling too, so it's definitely all areas to look out for now.
1: From Ray & Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. The state and local tax climate continues to experience a rapid rate of change. Since the South Dakota versus Wayfair ruling, states across the country have taken South Dakota's lead one by one. For those of you who do business across state lines, your days of paying taxes in a single state are likely over. Welcome to the new way of doing business. Today, Scotty Z, a state and local tax manager and indirect tax expert with Ray, is here to provide us with an update on what the state of business looks like since the Wayfair case, what businesses can do to comply with these changes, and how business owners can protect themselves moving forward. Welcome, Scott. Thanks. Good to be back. Glad to have you here today. So talk to me a little bit about the Wayfair case. We're now one year on roughly since that decision came down. And and what what does that mean for, for folks out there?
0: So Wayfair ruling came out June 21st of 2018. So fairly new still, but big impact from the states. Everybody's still talking, but Prior to the Wayfair case, it's a big sales tax case that affected a lot of businesses. And prior to the Wayfair case, there was about a handful of states that had sales thresholds uh, holding remote sellers to require to file tax there. The Wayfair case, what they did was remove physical presence requirement Mm -hmm. to file in those states. So a year and a half later, there's about forty plus states now that are on board that have these sales type thresholds okay. that just require you to file sales use taxes. Just being a remote seller, if you're you have a business in Ohio, for example, and you're selling in thirty plus other states, sure, they might have a a bright line or a sales tax threshold or a transaction threshold that will require you to file their taxes in that state. And then on top of that, that state's going to require you to file state income taxes, other taxes types. So it it affects all types of organizations, companies, industries, anything. So anybody thinking about selling outside your home state, there's other implications to think about other than prior to the Wayfair ruling.
1: And, and now I hear this concept about nexus. So uh, if I'm a, a company and say, I have a, a couple of crews of people maybe I, I send and, and they're gonna go take care of a customer uh, in Indiana or, or Kentucky or somewhere and beyond the, the revenue threshold, what, what should I be aware of in terms of establishing the so-called nexus in, in another state? So,
0: Nexus is basically just a business connection enough with that state to require you to file their state taxes. You make a presence in that state. So, the Wayfair ruling, it does add another layer to the Nexus and removes the physical presence requirement. It doesn't eliminate it. So, if you had physical presence, you're sending employees into other states, Connecticut, wherever, they may have that physical presence still so if you had physical presence prior to the wayfair ruling you would still be required to file back till then gotcha but if you're just selling remotely from ohio say or your home sure. state and you're just selling and nothing else is going on this wayfair would affect you to that wayfair ruling or whenever the state's effective
1: date is sure now you've you mentioned this this concept uh, uh, prior to, to us coming on air about autogration. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Automation plus integration. So kind of a mashup there. What What, what is that?
0: That's a little uh, salt term we came up with. It's, uh, it's implementation of client software. Their existing software sometimes works. Sometimes they get too big. And this Wayfair is impacting a lot that they're requiring the file in thirty plus states, and the software they use is just simply not user friendly, okay. or it doesn't doesn't do the right work. Okay. So we shop around. We have a preferred uh, software that we use for bigger clients or more states, but there's different softwares out there that could automate the process. Okay. We could implement it, but it up to their existing software, and then ongoing compliance, because that's the biggest issue sure. for these clients is how are we going to file 50 states right? How are we going to keep, how are we keep track even, of it all? <laughs> I couldn't even deal with one state right. alone. So this software will help you automate the process. We'll implement it. Uh, once it's set up properly, where we come in is... We set up their processes properly and implement it into their current system or get a new system. And then going forward, it could track your taxable sales versus exempt sales. It could retain exemption certificates. So once you make a sale, you have that exemption certificate on file. That sale will be exempt to that customer. Okay. So it's just easing or more efficient for these clients that are all of a sudden having a file in
1: thirty states. Sure. So, so the idea is we from, from a team perspective, we try to come in and and provide a sort of a risk assessment up front and then help them implement the right processes and procedures so that we're not, you know, in essence, living there. In other words, they can do this going forward and and comply with the, the different rules and regulations, correct? Exactly.
0: Sometimes we uh we we do bear we do bring the bad news up front we tell them where they have nexus you don't just have nexus in your home state you have nexus in 20 plus states then next we tell them how much your exposure is and then our next phase is is how how can we fix this these are the options to fix whether it's a big liability going back we could do something about that if it's just going forward going forward compliance we could help them with that but ongoing i mean it's a huge huge advantage to implement or get these nexus and risk assessments done because a lot of these states are getting more and more aggressive sure and they're they're now talking to each other while past years they never even talked to each other so one audit some states are just issuing audits for all types of taxes. So wow. just once you register, some states are just making you file a questionnaire with it. Mm-hmm. So exposing you to other areas. So it's, it's a big deal. So knowing up front where you have it before the
1: states come and find you. Is a uh, is a big advantage. Sure. So, in essence, you want to again, you want to get ahead of it and try and assess the risk. If if I'm a business owner, uh, so I understand where my risks lie, and then then try to address that, you know, proactively rather than reactively, as you as you suggested. Absolutely. So sometimes, unfortunately, it
0: has to do retroactively, but right. We're trying to push, you know, clients to get these up front. Maybe we don't find much and you're at ease then going forward. But if you're just sitting out there waiting for them to come get you, they most likely will find you because they're talking They're If a customer, one of their customers gets caught, they're looking at who the vendor was to supply them or their vendors. So vice versa. So there's
1: all kinds of areas that they could they could find you now. Sure. So up and down the food chain, I have to worry about not only my own business, but my my customers who I'm doing business with and also my suppliers as well. And I know we don't want to get too deep into the weeds here, but there are things such as exemption certificates and things like that that, that you can help uh, clients with. And, and again, setting up those processes and procedures so they're aware of of the risk. Absolutely. So if... Um, one of the other things I hear this is a big item in due diligence for businesses that are looking at some type of liquidity event, whether it's a sale to a third party or internal or whatever. They somebody wants to assess the risk that the state and local tax um, uh, might might have. So, mm-hmm. is that is that a big part of what what you guys do as well? It's,
0: it's a lot of we we <laughs> warn clients if you're looking to sell because a lot of our initial meetings they'll they'll say. You know, we're, we're thinking about selling in a couple of years. We'll, right. we'll deal with it then. <laughs> but little do they know that sales tax follows whoever purchases it. So you're not getting rid of that liability. So doing the due diligence up front, you're going to get a better cost or a better sale price on your business. Sure. Because you did that and you don't have any lagging liabilities out there. The other side is going to be doing the same thing on your company, the one they're purchasing. They're going to want to know, is there any risk to buying this company? It's going to drive the sales price down if there's a bunch of liabilities out there or the sale might not go through. So I think if you're thinking about selling think getting at least a Nexus risk assessment just knowing what you have out there what the exposure is right would be an
1: advantage too yeah again as part of that that due diligence process at least knowing where your risk is and you can then choose to make a business decision right and in, in terms of how you deal with it but punting it down the road and leaving it undefined because I've heard that some business owners just say well you know I'm not going to worry about it I'll, I'll worry about it if I get caught Um you know, when you when you go to do some type of transition with your business, that is not gonna fly. Somebody's going to want to define that risk, right?
0: Exactly. Unfortunately that is a lot of cases that they just, you know, they see a big number up front, but they don't know the long term impact of if they deal with it now, it's going to be a
1: lot less than if they deal with it later right? or somebody catches you. Yeah, absolutely. So are there particular industries that that seem to be more vulnerable than others? I mean, myself dealing with the construction industry, I know that's one, but what about other industries, manufacturing, distribution, where, where do you see a lot of the risk? I would say the mo- biggest risk areas is, like you mentioned, the
0: construction contractor area. And the manufacturing areas are the biggest ones. Obviously, every industry does still have those areas, but the most exposure is those two areas just because they're buying such volume of materials, using it in a variety of ways. And sometimes, for example, manufacturers think, well, there's a manufacturing exemption. Don't we qualify for everything in there? And same thing for construction. Oh, we're doing or oil and gas. We're doing oil and gas, but we're just buying like a coffee table to, or an office trailer. So those things aren't exempt. And manufacturers think everything they purchase, whether it's whatever sure. they, they purchase, is exempt. So that's the biggest
1: area is just knowing what what actually qualifies for these exemptions. Sure. So so. It's, it goes beyond really just thinking about your own business. It's it's all about all the tentacles that you have within your business and where they touch and who they touch and all those kinds of things. It can go as far as even where you source your, your materials, for example. Is that true? Yeah. Sourcing is a big issue because um, just...
0: In Ohio alone, they have three different sourcing methods based on if you're selling just TPP, if you're selling services, or if you're selling a combination of both. They have different sourcing methods. A lot of companies just say, oh, we're going to do destination sourcing all our sales, and they get caught in a state that doesn't have destination sale. They're going to be held for a big liability so sourcing is a is a big issue out there
1: okay so what what are some of the other pitfalls that you see that that um, companies run into particularly you know that that are closely held businesses that we typically
0: do so the biggest issues the more clients that we deal with is the manufacturing and construction contractors Mm -hmm. it's there's a lot of different uh items out there that, you know, different, like, especially Ohio has a fixture rule Okay, that if you're installing something permanently into a a foundation that might not, you know, qualify for real property services or a construction contract because it's specific to that business. And that's the biggest miss in most of uh, the areas we look at is they don't, they don't know the difference of those two items is whether or not it actually is a construction contract okay. or just considered
1: TPP. So if it, if by TPP, I mean tangible, tangible personal, personal property. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, having those definitions, you know, very well defined and understood if I'm a company, that, that's where we can, again, help assess the risk and make sure that they're consistent in how they treat and apply things across their business.
0: Yeah, and I think I think there's just several questions to ask yourselves as a business owner, is where where do I send my employees? What type of customers do I sell to? What suppliers do I buy from? What materials sure. do I buy from? What type of services do I do? Things like that. What do I sell? Where do I sell? What states do I go into? Things like that. Any question, most of those, if you answer yes, like, if you sell out of state, do you sell out of state? Yes, you probably have exposure there. Yeah. So, any question you answer yes to, you most likely have something to look at. Right. I'm not saying you necessarily have a liability, but it's it's a concern that you
1: should be looking at just to make sure that right. there's nothing there. And that's where our, you're obviously a, a big part of our state and local tax group. And you guys will just come in and, and do that initial assessment for people and, and help them understand, okay, here's, here's where we see risk.
0: Yeah. So we, we actually created templates or tools that we looked at every single state, all the questions that they'll, they'll ask and look at and we'll, we'll sit down with the client or go through their books and determine where where they have exposure okay. because of why, things like that. So there's a number of things that people overlook. Just for example, trade shows. If you're just attending trade show one day in a state, wow. sometimes
1: could trigger yeah. that nexus. Right. Interesting. Now, are, are some states more aggressive than others? How about Ohio, for example, since that's where the, the bulk of our clients lie? Ohio
0: is, is getting... Aggressive. They, they tend to audit a lot. Mm. Um, they're, they're more lenient in the audit process, but again, they look at more detailed than other states. Other states are more aggressive than Ohio, PA, New York, California, Louisiana, things like that. But Ohio definitely is a area that's picking up their aggressiveness unfortunately or fortunately sometimes is the state has limited resources to audit so that's (laughs) why we're trying to get in before these states come looking for our business or our clients so yeah there's there's a number
1: of uh, areas to look out for and and that way the the client is prepared and and all that again they want to know where where their their risk is if they're more prepared like that then uh They're in much better shape, obviously, than if they're coming in after the fact. Help, you know, screaming help—that's never good. You know, lack of planning is is not not a good thing in this case for sure. So, talk to me a little bit about, you know, we don't have a ton of clients that that are you know solely online type of businesses, but a lot of them have a presence online. You know, maybe they sell excess material or, or you know, they, they'll they kind of get rid of some of their, uh, you know, scrap or do things like that. I mean, is that the kind of thing that, that they also have to look out for that can lead to exposures in, in other areas? Absolutely.
0: That's the biggest question we get. Well, We'll just tear down our, you know, brick and mortar store and we'll just sell online. That may have worked in the past prior to that Wayfair ruling. Oh, that's why a lot of got gotten in the back game online. They're going to sell across the, you know all 50 mm-hmm. states. Just have a home spot in Ohio and just file there. This eliminates all that. So there's costs associated with obviously a, having a, a brick building and all that overhead the sure. you know, maintenance of it, but even on the online, you know, you got to deal with the web design <sighs> maintenance of it. And then designing it user friendly so your clients could use it. And then once you sell to other states, now you got all these other states issues to look at, too. Right. tax implications, things like that. So you you're creating nexus in a number of other states. And,
1: and as you indicated, it the thing to think about is it goes beyond just the sales tax. All of a sudden, you've got to think about maybe that state has franchise tax that you're you. You now have to to file, or or some other type of tax, whether it's like an Ohio cat tax, or uh, I know Texas has a, a different you know taxing method, things like that. Is that is that part of it too? Yeah.
0: So uh, franchise tax wasn't a part of this Wayfair ruling. It was solely a sales tax case, but everybody knew that the states are like, well, they're getting sales tax. Right. We, we want our piece too. Sure. So we're seeing slowly and slowly that these states are coming out with amended franchise tax rules that are similar to the sales tax thresholds, or some states already have that bright line uh, tax nexus for income tax. So they're moving towards that. There's probably a handful of states that came on board since the wafer ruling for franchise tax as well. So the other taxes are following sure. sales tax obviously was the leading factor in this case, but it's going to affect other businesses for other
1: types of taxes as well. Yeah. Good, good to know. And ultimately best practice is to, to have someone like you or our team obviously do, do that risk assessment. I mean, that's if I'm a business owner, that's what I'd want to know, right? Where's, where's my risk.
0: Yeah. And it, our, our sales tax and risk assessment are, are, Nexus studies cover all tax, mm-hmm. all tax types. So we'll look at all the rulings, and unfortunately, uh, each tax type has a different ruling too. So yeah. um, it's definitely all areas to look out for now. <sighs>
1: lot to keep track of. That's, right, that's why right. we have a lot of experts, right? <laughs> right. Well, that's good. Well, uh, I appreciate it, Scott. That's uh, that's great information. And uh, if I'm a business owner, I surely want to talk to Scott and and the team to figure out where where I stand. So um, if you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.raycpa.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's show. You can subscribe to Unsuitable on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts, including YouTube. And while you're there, leave us a review. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another unsuitable interview from an industry professional.
0: The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray & Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance.